Next up on Saturday mornings at your service, it's Welcome to Health. Greatest Grains and the Welcome to Health Center bring you Dr. Kurt Rexroth, chiropractor and clinical nutritionist. Dr. Rexroth is here to answer your questions about chiropractic, nutrition, or healthy weight loss. So give Dr. Rexroth a call at 344-1420, or you can find him online at welcometohealth.com. And now here's Dr. Kurt Rexroth. Good morning. I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that characterizes the people that normally listen to this show is they are interested in health. But I, I kind of run into some problems, and, and personally, too. It's not just that, that I hear it from my patients or from people that I encounter at parties and, and you know, talk to and things. It's, it's, it's part of me, too, and that is that there is so much diversity in our diets, and there's so many diets out there that are being offered that are very different from each other. All the way from the, you know, the vegetarian, the vegan diet, all the way to the carnivore diet. If you've heard of those, we've got ketogenic diets. We've got all this stuff. Some of them are involved in weight loss. And, and of course, we have a, a wonderful weight loss program. I really should mention before I do anything else, Tuesday evening, 6.30, as most of you know, uh, that's when we offer our seminar on weight loss at the Welcome to Health Center. But um, there, not just that, though, because a lot of people don't need to lose weight, and, and they are still concerned with, you know, what diet is the best diet for me or what the diet is the best diet for a human being. So this question is always involved. And also, you know, do you take supplements? Don't you take supplements? You know, you get stories on the news that supplements don't do anybody any good. You get doctors talking about how that all you're doing is wasting your money. You're just, you're just uh, you know, urinating out all these nutrients and you're not going to be using them. Just stick with whatever diet everybody else is using. All this, and there's so much divergent information, and how do you know whether carrots are good or bad? Uh, you know, I hear both, right? You know, all of us suffer health problems. I mean, one of the things in my past, um, even as I was, I was growing up, I noticed that certain things affected me in negative ways, and, and uh, you know, I would see all, I, some of my friends go out, you know, they'd get drunk on weekends, and uh, it was just something I observed because I noticed whenever I would go out and try to do the things that they did, I would have horrible results. I mean, I just, I drink a little bit and I just start feeling awful. And they would drink a little bit and they would start drinking more. And I just, uh, I couldn't figure out what the difference was. I finally came up with this conclusion that I'm not healthy enough to have bad health habits. You know, and you, and you wonder, you know, what makes a teetotaler? What makes a person who doesn't drink? What makes a person who does drink? And to some extent, and I'm convinced of this at this point after observing it for decades, um, to some extent it's because the teetotaler realizes that they just get bad results. They're not healthy enough to drink. Now, of course, if you are healthy enough to drink, that's not necessarily mean you're going to be healthy for very long because we know that those kinds of habits lead to deterioration of health to the point where eventually you're going to not be healthy enough to drink. But we also have other things, too, because, like, you know, a lot of times people, um, people usually come to a chiropractor after they've tried everything else. That's the, kind of the standard story. They say, oh, my gosh, this back pain or this, these headaches. I have tried everything. I've tried medicine. I've tried yoga. I've tried, I've tried uh, you know, different um, uh, you know, 
physical therapy. I've tried this. My back pain just will not let up. And finally, they show up at a chiropractor's office. And then, you know, we do what we can do. And we have a very high percentage of success on hopeless cases. In fact, that's, that's pretty much the way chiropractic has grown, is we take in hopeless cases and high percentage of success with those hopeless cases. Then, of course, if you've helped a person with a hopeless case, the loyalty is just absolutely amazing. And that, those are the people you run into around the cities that, you know, just swear by chiropractic and think the chiropractors are just miraculous and wonderful. And to those people we are. And, uh, you know, I think that kind of makes me feel good to hear that. So I'm not going to say that they're doing anything wrong by saying that. It's, uh, it's a good thing. But hopeless cases, nutrition is kind of the same thing. Uh, because, I mean, here you are, you've got a diet, you've got, you know, and I'm not talking about a diet to lose weight now, I'm talking about the way you eat your, the food you eat, and the times you eat it, etc. You get this diet that really kind of is comfortable for you, and you really like it, right? And I don't dispute that. I mean, probably those flavors and the timing that you eat them and all that stuff is something that really, really fits well with you. And after all, what do you say? Well, <laughs> Hey, I just want to be happy, right? That's all. I just want to be happy. The problem is this, that there are certain diets that are like me drinking. They may, as a matter of fact, make you feel good at first, or they may be something that socially you want to get into because everybody else does this, and uh, but it just doesn't work for you. And you go from you know, like I do with ice cream, because ice cream was a, a definite addiction for me. I had it every night, and for a period of time, I had it several times a day, and that didn't work at all. That led to depression. But I at least had it every night, and it was just great, and it, ice cream always made me happy. It's ecstasy for about 10 minutes at a time, right? But what happens eventually with most of us is we make a transition from, I just want to be happy, to, I just want to be healthy. And that transition is a profound transition because what it shows is that just what makes us in the moment happy doesn't always make us in the future happy. And it doesn't make us in the future, in fact, it may, in the future it makes us so unhealthy that we just start going from happy, I'm not happy anymore, and the diet I always ate doesn't make me happy anymore because I've got all of these health problems now. And I th think, if you think very deeply at all, I think I may have set it up so that this was the direction I was going. And so, you know, the failure to put off your immediate gratification leads to not having any gratification at all. And that's a problem. And I know that a significant part of the listening audience out there is in that boat at this point. And that's why I bring the topic up. And so then you are just at a loss. You still don't want to give up the things that made you happy for those short periods of time, the immediate gratification. But you are in a position where, you know, you, and you certainly don't want to go to a nutritionist some, or, a, you know, a chiropractor who's going to tell you, well, you're going to have to go toward a more natural way of eating. You're going to have to, like, go back to your ancestral eating patterns, you know, in order to clear this up. No, you want to stay with your, you know, the stuff they show you on television, these things that are slathered with colorful candies on top of them. You want a breakfast of pancakes and, and you know, whipped cream and all this stuff. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, it's not that you're unusual in that, but 
there are certain people who realize that if you don't put off your immediate gratification, you will pay for it later. And that's what we're talking about today. But even with that, okay, and I have to say a big but, because even with that, the question of how do I do that is a huge question. Okay, so what about dietary diversity? Dietary diversity. Now, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because for a couple reasons. One of my favorite people online that I listen to pretty regularly is a book, is a person who wrote a book called How to Not Die. Okay, is a guy named Gregor, Dr. Gregor. And he's a vegetarian. He's a, a vegan kind of guy, you know, and he has all this research that uh, plant-based diets are a lot more healthy for you than anything else. And he even encourages you to eliminate all meat and, and all of this. And I, and I listen to these things, even though I'm not a vegan, I'm not a vegetarian. And I don't think that that kind of diet would work well for me because I'd certainly be willing to do it if, if I was convinced that it was the best diet for me. Now, that doesn't mean, by the way, that it's not the best diet for some of you out there, okay? Just because my opinion is that it's not going to be best for me, that doesn't mean it's not best for you. Now, keep that in mind because there is so much genetic diversity. There is so much experiential and allergenic diversity that a vegan diet may indeed be best for you, all right? So I'm not, I'm not arguing that case at all. Because on the opposite end of the scale from a vegan, a pure vegetarian, and I'm not talking, when I say vegetarian, I'm not talking about a French fryitarian, okay? If all you eat is French fries and, and um, processed foods that have no meat in them and, uh, you know, you're doing that kind of deal and technically you are a vegetarian because you don't eat any meat, it doesn't mean you're eating healthfully, Okay, you say, well, I don't want to kill animals, so I'm not going to eat any meat. But then on the but then you just become a French fryitarian because of it. You are heading down the wrong road. Believe me, that's like, you know, uh, adopting the drinking lifestyle and drinking way too much for years and years and expecting yourself to be healthy. So I'm not talking about that. Um, I'm talking about a, you know, strict vegan vegetarian who does make sure they get all the vitamins and minerals they need, and they do supplement vitamin B12 because they can't get it through the plant sources, and they do, you know, make sure that they are eating plenty of protein in order to build structural tissue in the body, all that. Those are the vegetarians. I've been talking about a good vegetarian, not a sloppy, lazy vegetarian. Okay, but on the other end of the scale, you've got these people, and this most notably at this point is the famous psychologist Jordan Peterson, whose daughter had joint replacements when she was around 13 years old because she had uh, juvenile arthritis. She had severe depression to the point where, you know, suicide was the thought that actually dominated her life. And her father, Jordan, Jordan B. Peterson, the, the famous psychologist who's magnificent, I have to tell you, you've all got to suffer as much as he has in his life with depression and things in order to be as profound as he is. And that's why I'm glad I'm not quite that profound. But anyway, he, he, his daughter had, had struggled mightily just to stay alive. And um, I think she had something like 13 different joints that were affected by this and joint replacements and everything else and depression that is just crushing. And uh, she kept eliminating things. She eliminated, um, uh, you know, all the common 
um, what would you say, the sad diet foods, the standard American diet foods, and then she pared it back to just greens and some meat, and that worked a lot better than the others. But then finally she found out if she only ate meat, she was better off, and she was less depressed and had less joint pain. And then it came down to just eating beef and then grass-fed beef, and that is what worked for her. So her father tried it, and all of his depression went away. His energy came up. And so that the extreme is the extreme carnivore diet, and in their case, grass-fed beef diet only. And they function better than they ever have in their entire life. And her arthritic pain has gone away. Her, her crushing depression has gone away, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we see this in my practice because we do— uh, allergy testing, we do genetic testing, we do blood nutritional testing, and we find out that people react differently to different foods. So for example, I've had people come into the practice where they were allergic to almost everything but a few forms of seafood, uh, you know, a kind of meat, and then, then almost everything else they were allergic to. And so what do you do? You pair it back, you get them healthy on the foods that they can tolerate, and then you start introducing some foods that they have had a little less sensitivity to, and you try to get them back. Because most of the time, these people have a gut that is just pretty much destroyed. Their gut is leaking so much. The, gut, the sacred gut lining is so permeable to toxins and to Full foods, not, not the breakdown of foods, not the amino acids that protein is broken down into, but the, the full proteins that stimulate allergic responses, those are going into their bloodstream and causing them incredible health problems. And by finding out what those are, we can actually help them heal their gut eventually and heal their nervous, their immune system and then therefore their nervous system and get them back into a position where they can actually start eating something a little more normally progressively, okay? But we do that because we know that people are so diverse in terms of what their bodies can tolerate and what their bodies can do, we can help them bring them back into a more normal realm. That's done, by the way, through delayed allergy testing mostly, but sometimes the immediate allergies are a problem also. Um, the difference is, is like this, okay? The IgE, the immunoglobulin E allergy system, is an immediate allergy. It happens just right away. In other words, you get stung by a bee, you swell up, you, you uh, have blisters all over your body, and you, know, you need to go to the hospital or have an EpiPen that you can put some um, uh, epi epinephrine in your body immediately, the, the, and, and that takes care of it. You know, It calms the system down. Or you have an IgG allergy, which is a delayed allergy. Now, these are the tough ones because you don't know if, if it's going to take one to four days for you to have an allergic response it's really tough to know which of the foods you ate, even if you're keeping a food journal, which of the foods you ate actually caused the immune response. So those are the ones we mostly focus on because people don't know what those responses are. If you're allergic to um, lactose, for example, usually that's an immediate response. You get you know, <laughs> miserable shortly after drinking milk or having a milk product. But if it's casein, for example, in the milk that you're allergic to, that can be a delayed response one between one and four days, and you don't know what it is. And you've had this response continuously because of that. So you don't know, okay? So we do the testing. 
But genetic testing also shows tendencies uh, in terms of what you're likely to respond to. Are you likely to develop autoimmune diseases, et cetera? And we do the genetic test. And we also do food um, vitamin testing, where are you absorbing certain vitamins? Do you have high homocysteine, which is a sign that you're not processing B vitamins properly, particularly folate, B12, and B6? You're not processing these vitamins properly? Do you have a rapid heartbeat that it goes out of control, which means it's probably vitamin B1 that you're deficient in, or you're not processing well, you're not absorbing well, etc. So all of these different things are signs of whether or not your body is working, but it means that there are certain things you can eat and certain things you can't eat, certain things you should eat, and certain things you probably better stay away from, okay? All of those things. Then you got food addiction problems. I mean, my addiction to ice cream was partly because of casein. Casein, when it's digested, becomes casomorphine. And morphine may must give you a clue that it's a kind of an opioid response. And therefore, when you don't have the milk, you don't feel as well. So you take the milk in, and the substance that you're actually allergic to, the casein, is what makes the casomorphine. And then you you perpetuate the addiction. There are all of these kind of things throughout the food response. So you need to know those things. Um, as a rule of thumb, what I say is try to eat the way your ancestors ate if you don't know anything more about it. If you've done the testing, of course, you know more about it. But otherwise, eat the way your ancestors ate. And probably you'll be pretty good because your genetics have adapted to that or their eating patterns have adapted to that. But the diversity within the diet is, is just immense. And when it comes right down to it, even with all the testing, you've got to become aware. You've got to monitor your own body, and you've got to know what's going on there in your body. You know, it's kind of fun. Uh, I told you about the guy who uh, promotes the vegan diet, uh, Dr. Greger, his book, How Not to Die. And, um, and the other day, I was listening to Jordan Peterson on a uh, YouTube video, and he was asked a question. And uh, the question was, well, how can you uh, justify a carnivore diet or eating just meat and particularly just beef when, as a matter of fact, it's not sustainable for the entire population? In other words, you know, this is not a, an efficient way to produce food. And it's something, you know, we got uh, cows out there farting all over the place and stuff and causing problems with, uh, you know, gases that are uh, not friendly to the environment and stuff. And why? How can you justify that? Well, um, he said, very simply, just gave one answer. He said, so that my daughter doesn't die. And that's how stark this contrast is. So that my daughter doesn't die. And that's how serious it also is. And so when, you know, people come into the practice and they're talking about their diets, I don't take this lightly. I, I take it very, very seriously that the diet that they're trying to create for themselves is out of sometimes desperation. They just don't want to die. And this is the, the, the deal with, with um, you know, all of this. Serious diseases come about as a result of dietary malfunction or dietary mistakes or dietary, bad dietary addictions and habits. And, and you know, and, and you go through this transition from, I just want to be happy to I just want to be healthy. And that is a huge transition because everybody knows down deep when you look into your soul, that it's very difficult to sustain happiness at all, let alone sustain it for any kind of period of time. And it's impossible if you are not healthy. And so health, 
Trump's happy every day of the week because you can be pretty placid in your emotional set and still be pretty content. But even if you don't want to call it happiness, but if you're unhealthy and that you're going down that road quickly, we all go down it eventually, right? We're all going to die. But you don't want to you know, kind of run down that road. But if you find yourself sliding down that road and unable to control it, then you may want to get some help. And the help is usually done in terms of, well, most people go to the medical world and they get their symptoms covered up with drugs. They get their, the mechanisms in their body that are there to make them healthy blocked because it's producing symptoms. And we all, if you've listened to this show very much, you know that for the most part, the symptoms are signs that your body is trying to make corrections. But symptoms often are very uncomfortable because making corrections when you're too far down the pike, too far down the slide, are very, very difficult. And we all know this. We all remember back when we were kids trying to stop the slide down the slide, right? You know, your, your hands squeak on the sides. You know, your, your legs push against the edge. It's very difficult to stop once you've got some momentum down a slide. But we all know what it's like. And when you're going down there, a lot of times the medical world can help you in stopping that slide, yes. But you all will always want to, once you're stopped, you want to say, how am I going to rebuild this situation in a healthy way? And the only way I know of to rebuild your health in a healthy way, in an effective way, is to use those elements, those chemis- that chemistry, those foods that your body was built from in the first place. Avoid the ones that it have been tearing it down and employ the ones that built a healthy body in the first place. And that's the way that I would encourage you to go. And it just makes sense. And if you feel it makes sense, give us a call at the Welcome to Health Center and we'll help you through the difficulties as best we can. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Health with Dr. Kurt Rexroth, part of Saturday Mornings at Your Service, sponsored by the Welcome to Health Center and Greatest Grains. Dr. Rexroth will be back next week at the same time. If you have a question before then, give the good doctor a call at 309-764-2115 or find him online at welcometohealth.com where you can download podcasts of this program, ask questions on the blog, find out about special events, and request an appointment with Dr. Rexroth. And remember, Dr. Rexroth donates his services as a guest speaker to Quad Cities clubs, church groups, and business organizations.